Hey, welcome to Downtown Sasquatches. An exploration into all things Degrassi. I'm Tori Fondley. And I'm Luke Fagenbush. And what episodes were we downtown Sasquatching this week? Episode 5 and 6 of Season 1, titled Parents' Day and the Mating Game. Weird weird second episode title. We'll get to it, but that, that gives me the a bad feeling in some places. When when we when we go into the episode facts, I'm I'm making the call right oh. now that both of the titles are kinda odd for this series. You got some episode facts. I do. I, I've done some research and I believe you have done some some research as well. I, I got some research. I, I went a little hard in the research department. I pulled some late all nighters and late nighters and we used the Google coffee. machine. Yeah, I went on the net as Degrassi would call it. We hear about the net in the episodes a we're gonna lot. cover tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they always call it the net. Like I, I it it wasn't that early in internet culture, yeah, was it? Even when the internet first started, I was around for that. I was there. Me too. And we didn't call it the net. Uh, so is it a Canadian thing, you think? That's that's going to go in my big fat column of things that are possibly weird because it's Degrassi and things that the, are maybe just Canadian. Yeah. Because there's have, a lot of those. There's a big list. Uh, which episodes did we just cover? What, what were we getting back into? So Ashley's dance was was a success. Class president of the year by yeah. design. <laughs> yeah, and Terry is a drunken fool. Um, I, they want us to think that anyway. That's yeah, how it was. I mean, edited. she learned a lesson. Um, and that's really all I can remember from the last episode. Yeah. Because once we talk about it in in the podcast, it just kind of leaves my brain. This is like cathartic for all the Degrassi I, I do remember thoughts I have. JT and Toby's relationship reaching a new level after they went <gasps> on the yes. net and uh, watched some adult videos and bonded very deeply. And then bonded even harder because their parents made them sit down and watch adult videos with them. With some questionably abusive parenting. Borderline. I mean, yeah. I guess it was, what, the early 2000s, so things you know, were a little free and loose. They were raised, and they went to the school of the hard knocks. <laughs> yeah. Man, that I just really spit that out, huh? <laughs> like, people in the 80s had to walk both ways in uphill in snow to get to school. People in the early 2000s had to watch porn with their dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to learn how to respect women, obviously. Yeah, it wasn't weird at all. It wasn't weird at all that his dads were like, no, those are clearly fake tits. <laughs> also the mom. So <laughs> speaking of Toby's dad, yeah. he features heavily in this episode, this the fifth episode of the first season, the first one we're going to cover today, Parents' Day. Yeah. It's apparently not named after any songs, films, or books. Okay. Which is a reason I say it's odd. In the first, like, I guess now it's five episodes, They there have already been two episodes that only kind of fit in with their, let's name every episode uh, of the series after a song, because Daughter and Mother was only kind Mo of one. It, no, it is a Paul Simon song. But wasn't there a weird thing after it? It was like Mother and Daughter Confidential. Mother or... and Daughter Reunion. It's literally a Paul Simon song. Oh, was Reunion part of the Degrassi title, though? No. Then I don't count it. 
as an exception but, because it is literally a song title. Wasn't there another one that wasn't though? I'm saying they should do a better job, especially I'm trying to start talking about the episode. Okay, well, one more thing. <laughs> okay, especially if you're an American viewer, and then it's only the first three episodes, and one of them isn't even a song title. Now we can go on. Well, they had the net. They could look it up, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so the Canadian air date of this episode was November 18th, 2001. Mm -hmm. The United States air date was April 15th, 2002. Story by Jan Moore and Aaron Martin, and the teleplay also by Aaron Martin. There's no soundtrack or music featured in this episode, which... Like no country for old men. I Well, I don't know. See, I wasn't paying that much attention during the episode to that aspect of it so i'm not sure if they just mean they didn't attribute any they didn't like credit any or if there's just literally no up no music i mean i i think i would think i would notice if there weren't like those typical sitcom -y soundtrack like strings oh you mean the laugh riffs. track on degrassi no that is not what i mean we provide our own laugh track because it's a very enjoyable funny program you are correct Oh, and it was directed by Eleanor Lindo. Yes. The first episode of The Next Generation she directed was the last one we watched, the dance one, Eye of the Beholder. And she's directed six episodes of Degrassi High, 52 episodes of The Next Generation, and four episodes of Next Class. And she got some bangers in. Oh, yeah. And it seems her trend for the episodes that she directs, the subject matter, is usually pretty heavy emotional stuff. I imagine her childhood was fraught with trauma from what we're getting with her Degrassi brand. Yeah. It, that seems like a weird thing to shoot from the hip with, but I'm, I'm putting my bet on that. Okay. <laughs> and she has 55 director credits. She's, she works. She is a yeah. working director, which I love to see. Unconfirmed. I think it was her in a Degrassi Zoom reunion. Yeah, we were watching that the other day. Yeah, it was yeah. the Austin, Texas Film Festival or something, the 20th mm -hmm. reunion. Um, so she also, so of her 55 credits, they're largely TV episodes, some Lifetime movies, which really, really, really excites me. I love Lifetime movies and amazing. Love yeah. the people that make them. And one episode in her TV credits, one episode of the Ray Bradbury Theater, which ran 1985 to 1992, which another Degrassi Next Generation director also directed two episodes of. Yeah. And I, one of her movies was the saddest horse movie I've ever heard of. Yeah, you read the episode, or the movie description to me that, briefly that really supports my theory that she didn't have a great time growing up because <laughs> the synopsis of touching wild oh i'm sorry animal tales touching wild horses <laughs> after the death of his family in a horrific car accident young mark bitten mark rindle nice that they called him mark in both his parents and the, the writers goes to live with his aunt fiona uh, Jane Seymour, who studies wild horses on remote sites. So the movie hasn't even really started, and like two people die and somebody's in a coma. Amazing. The, that the, seems pretty Degrassi to me. Pretty par for the course. Yeehaw. 
<laughs> Yeehaw, indeed. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, who is the guy who worked with her? He didn't work with her. They directed separate episodes of the Ray Bradbury Theater. Uh, Bruce McDonald, yeah. who has directed I, uh, a lot of episodes of Degrassi. I don't remember how many, but he's directed a lot of horror films as well, which is interesting because he seems to also direct a lot of the really traumatic episodes. More of the day-to-day horrors that some kids can run into. That plague teens across the globe. Yeah. Degrassi shit. (laughs) But I did want to read one of his synopsis. He has a more popular movie, but this one had one of the... It's called Dreamland. And one of the reviews I looked up for it the title of the review which is wtf bruce (laughs) (laughs) but it's on the night of the strangest wedding in cinema history a grotesque gang boss hires a stone cold killer to bring him the finger of a fading drug addicted jazz legend how's that treat you for a sentence huh how how does that go down (laughs) the other Still one feels was very Degrassi uh, to me. Same response. <laughs> Pontypool, a uh, just a zombie movie, and apparently it's pretty good. I might look that one up. Yeah, he directs some episodes I really enjoy, and also make me really upset in the good way that TV can do. And now that I think of it, there is some Degrassi zombie uh, footage out there. Yes, there the is. There's an I forgot about that short series of Degrassi Zombie Land. I mean, if we're gonna go into minis eventually, those are gonna have to be a separate thing because we have so much to They'll say about be on the minis. Patreon guys. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> for our two listeners. Hell yeah. So the beginning of the episode starts. For our grade seven storyline, starts with Toby counting down to Parents' Day in a really fucking annoying fashion. He's like thirty hundred seven minutes. I don't know wh- where he was at with the counting, but he just wouldn't stop. Yeah, it was the hours <clears throat> and the seconds, which a minute update wouldn't have been as bad. But I was with seconds JT. too. I was annoyed. <laughs> yeah, and JT finds out that Toby's parents are coming to Parents' Night. Because Toby mentions it, and that's why he's counting down, because he is really dreading it. Yeah, and he, he calls them homicidal he maniacs. Does. <laughs> when they see each other. He says they're fine when they're apart, but when they see each other, they just start murdering people. <laughs> I guess. I guess that's what that that's means. That's why they got divorced, because they loved each other very much, but they just couldn't stop murdering when they were together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then JT confirms Toby's story because he's like, hey, as your best friend, I'm going to say, hey, remember that time at camp? They had that really public, humiliating fight in front of everybody. (laughs) Remember, buddy? Remember that? Remember? (laughs) And then Toby has some dejected response and JT's like, fine, you can keep counting because I think you realize he he was a dick. It was kind of sweet when JT was like, what's the count at? (laughs) Yeah. And also, by the way, we find out through side dialogue that JT got a D in math. He is not doing well in school, which surprises me. He seems like a smart kid. Well, he he might have some of that um, inability to concentrate going on, possibly medical, because he he is... uh, Next episode, um, we deal with that 
He says he's going to poison the water fountain with E. coli. <laughs> you cancel parents tonight. Yeah, JT <laughs> suggests biological warfare and says, like why, like, why don't we just give everybody E. coli? Have an E. coli outbreak in the school. And Snake's walking by, and he is very <clears throat> certain that they test the water. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, we test the water every day. I don't think he knows that, but I don't think he likes the thought of a low-key terrorist attack. He's getting ahead of the news curve on this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> and so we find out in the next scene, which is Toby and JT and also Emma and Manny walking into Snake's classroom. Mm -hmm. And he announces that they're going to be watching... Channel 5 News. I mean, news about kids. N-A-K. Knack. <laughs> but it might as well be Channel 5 News. Did you watch yeah, Channel 5 yeah, News in school? I did. It was Channel 5 News, right? Is that the name? I did not look it this was, up. It's either Channel 5 or Channel 4. Yeah, and it was like an orange logo, mm. and it would be like really right-leaning like stories Which that I they guess, would cover I and guess ads. the Canadian version is that, too. Which I don't know if it worked the way it worked in this narrative in our schools, but I, I would be curious to find out. And we will get into that, how it works, which is weird for uh, yeah. Degrassi, but that's that's our plot line. Emma's plot lines are great. We love them. We love Emma. I am just glad to get all this JT shit out of the way so I can hear Emma get a, a cause for an episode that she immediately drops and then moves on to her new cause that's really great for me everything except gmo she moves on from <laughs> so emma expresses disdain for the news about kids she does not like this this program she is like again and snake gives her a look and the channel five news kids they're what they're reading i don't know if they're ryan reading and this nicole. oh ryan and nicole i didn't get to know them personally well we learn they hate poor people <laughs> yeah they said so they're talking about squeegee kids who are the kids that will walk up and squeegee your windshield and then ask for cash for it and they say squeegee kids are hijacking your hard-earned cash to spend on drugs and tattoos yeah i'm kind of with it i hate to say it but i'm kind of with emma on this one we say that a lot during this during the series but i feel like she she just goes about things the wrong way yeah, i just wish she was supporting the other side because she makes it look really bad yeah, she, it, she's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> Degrassi, she's the worst. So Emma thinks she can speak for underprivileged people when she's clearly not. Yeah. She's pretty, pretty spoiled, if you ask me. Spike's doing all right and gives her more leniency than she deserves. She's apparently a pretty kick-ass hairdresser. She supports them. Yeah. They... They, and they call the youth in the newscast media saturated, which is pretty funny considering the state of things today. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, I think it's pretty funny. And they, we, we have that conversation with Emma and Manny and someone else in the hall. And, oh, Liberty. She walks yeah. up after Emma says, squeegee kids are poor. And then she calls <laughs> them ragamuffins and reminds us. Liberty that, does. Yeah, Liberty reminds us that her dad knows the mayor. 
She said, I, my dad says that next time one of those ragamuffins touch his car, he's going straight to the mayor. He knows the mayor. <laughs> like, wow, Liberty. I was trying to be on your side. And then you just spit this, this vile, these vile things at your classmates who asked nothing for it. It, she needs to learn a new mode of communication that isn't constantly screaming, I'm better than everyone else. And Emma yells at Toby um, and then runs into Sean. I don't know if she was yelling at him to tell him something or yelling at him because she was mad because I just wrote Emma is yelling and I don't really remember. Yeah. Um, Sounds like her. Yeah. I assume she was angry. She usually is about something. And she runs into Sean and she has a longing glance. Which I thought was important to Which know. Sean kind of returns, if my notes are to be believed. Yeah, confirm that Sean has horrible taste in women. Mm-hmm. So the next scene with the grade sevens, JT and Toby are walking outside for lunch and talking about what they should do. And JT says, to plot evil, yeah. I need energy. <laughs> and I think, me too, JT. Yeah. He, he, and plan for what Toby's going to do for Parents' Day, that is. Because his parents apparently tend to get in explosive fights and embarrass him. We've got a disruption in the room. Guys. Vamp, do you have feelings about this divorce storyline? Can you quiet down just a notch? Oh, by the way, now's a good time to mention. Thank you, Vamp, for reminding us. Um Neither of us are children of divorce. We have no firsthand experience no. with this. But um, watching the episode, it looks pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently you just stand up to your parents and they're super fucking proud of no, you all of a sudden. To be honest, it looks like a nightmare at a very young age during formative <laughs> years, and I feel for him. <laughs> He's having a hard time. I feel for Toby specifically. I'm sure there's friendly divorces where it's healthier, but this is not one of those cases. Yeah. And then, for reasons we'll find out later, Ashley just walks up to Toby and says, is your mom coming to parents' night? And he's like, I guess. Like, what What are you asking about? And she's like, is, he, is she a casting agent? And Toby's like, yeah. And she's like, okay. And then she just walks away. She's and, also a homicidal maniac. What does that matter? Yeah. And then Toby... I don't know how you couldn't tell from context clues that a young teen girl is looking into maybe getting cast in something. Like, why would you not put two and two together? Because he looks at JT and he was like, what was that about? I couldn't possibly imagine. He's got a lot on his mind. He, he may be committing biological warfare. <laughs> I feel like as a if she's been a casting agent for a long time and she's really good at it, she books like big things i feel like his classmates might be pestering him about that all the time you know oh true you know, yeah yeah so like it, maybe at his old school maybe people at his new school didn't know yet yeah and he, he, moved. he only spends the every other week at his mom's house right yeah so you know i just i think he he's smart enough well maybe not we'll get into that later this episode mm -hmm. I, but i thought he was smart enough to be able to pick up on social cues so and Emma is right for once, I, I kind of think, about Channel 5 News. Yeah. I, I don't like it, but I don't. I also don't like the way she's treating people in this episode. Or series. <laughs> and Manny says she has NAK rage. And Toby and JT are like, what? And Manny's like, it's like road rage. And Emma is raging. And she's just raging at the picnic table, and they're all looking at her. And JT says, Emma, who are you talking to? 
This is why JT is a golden god. Because you could apply that to anything Emma says ever. <laughs> yeah. And then to that, she says, I could talk or I could take action. And then JT says, imagine being her for a day. And I really couldn't, JT. You, He's, he's really speaking for the audience right now. Yeah. So she goes to the principal's office. She does. To take action. She's a woman of action. And... I was honestly really surprised by Radich in this scene. Every time I watch it, I'm like, why would you be so diplomatic and accommodating to and genuinely helpful to this student who brought you an issue based on every other thing I've seen from you? Yeah, he's generally not. He's not my top tier of Degrassi principles. He's not like the worst, though, but he's not a good one either. Yeah, of the however many, he's There's firmly middle of the road. And she finds out because he's like, well, you know, do you like the computer lab? And she's like, I guess. And he's like, well, NAK makes us show their broadcast. The NAK bribed the school with 18 new computers. And for 2001, that sounds like a lot. Well, considering I'm pretty sure they only have one computer lab, I think that is the entire computer lab besides three, which they mention later in the episode. Yeah. And so Emma thinks this is bullshit and Radich, like we said, is weirdly reasonable and he tells her that she can write an article for the parents edition of the grapevine if she gets it in by four. He lets her know the deadline. He like makes sure she has all the facts to do this successfully. He sets the student up for success. Yeah. Like he, educators are supposed to, but it's like that's not usually what you do, Mr. Radich. He knows what's going on for once. Yeah. Like, he never knows. And she, so then we see Emma talking to Manny about the article later, and she feels good about it, and Manny's like, that's so cool. And then they go to the computer lab during, I guess, free period. They walk yeah. in, and they sit next to Sean, who is already on a computer. We are, we, like, he's on a computer doing something before they walk into the room. Like you do. Yeah, and she sit, they sit down, and Emma's well, like, Manny, imagine you're a squeegee kid. <laughs> Emma sits down, and then Manny sees what's going on with Sean, and she's like, I'll stand, because she is already over Emma's boy BS. I'm not sure that's what that was. Really? She, she said it kind of coldly. Really? I didn't pick up on that. Uh, well, I thought it was just because she was being a bitch because she wanted a seat. Oh, true. Like middle school girls can do. I didn't really think that much into it. Yeah, but and, turns out it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, because Manny is replying to what if you were a squeegee kid, and she's not. So, she, and Sean says, oh, please, to her response. A person with actual problems, we will come to find yeah. out. <laughs> and Emma is like, "Um, can you, like, move? We need that chair. And it's like, he was there. You sat next to him. You could have gone anywhere. There's a full, empty computer lab around them, and you wanted to sit next to this guy before he said two syllables, and then you're the boss of him. Apparently, yeah. they kick him out of the chair and they say, we don't need that negative energy or something like that. It's <laughs> like, I think you guys were bringing all of the negativity. He was minding his own business. Look, he didn't seem happy. He's Sean, but he's seen baseline Sean. He definitely didn't need more problems. He wasn't from you. bothering other people with his brooding. Yeah. He was just on the computer because as we'll learn later in the episode, he doesn't have a computer at home. He was doing his his homework. True. <sighs> 
I, th- that made me so mad. See, this is why Emma riles me up because she just is a dick to people who do not deserve it. What What was the? Oh, Emma asks Manny to backtrack a little. Like, what would you say to the squeegee kids? And then is like, hey, preppy. or what would you say to the uh, people judging you if you were a squeegee right. kid? Right, hey, preppy kids, get off my case. We're people too. <laughs> well said, Manny. Yeah, and then they pan over to JT and Toby in the same room, and they're at a computer. They both have chairs because I assume JT looked around the room, found yeah. an empty one, and carried it over like a th- normal person. They're normal functioning human beings. Yeah. And Toby is in the process of forging a letter from Mr. Simpson that tells both of his parents not to come to Parents' Night because he is so smart. And then he saves it on a school server, prints it on a school computer and printer and thinks that's not a problem and i my question at the at at the introduction of this is what about that web policy we all signed he's good at computers not so much the common sense thing that's not his forte it's really not he and i think both episodes kind of that we're going to talk about kind of demonstrate that yeah he's kind of a code monkey he should be locked in Hey, I know I'm upset about Emma too, Vamp, but we can't bark all the whole podcast. I'm going to have to do so much fucking editing, Vamp. You don't even know. <laughs> she knows. She's doing it on okay. purpose. Yeah, Toby's a code monkey. He should be locked in a dark cellar where he can work on his computers and interact with people on a very limited basis. I think that's his future. Honestly, maybe. Because, I mean, I'm following him and I'm liking his post. But the last post I saw from the actor who plays Toby, Jake Goldsby, got like 26 likes. So On Instagram? Yeah, and that's not how you measure worth as a person, but it is kind of how you measure how much that person values social media. So, yeah, well, good you know, for him. Yeah, so he he's doing something privately somewhere, so that might as well be a tech cave. Yeah. You know? A lot of the the times, the uh, actors are a lot like their characters, and I think that's just the writers, like, um, knowing the kids and writing towards that. Yeah. Oh, and Emma gets her editorial for the Parents' Day edition to Liberty 17 minutes late, and Liberty says, I'll make an exception, which was a mistake because Emma deserves no breaks, no mulligans, nothing in life because she just takes advantage well, she doesn't let it go without a fight. She scolds Emma. She says, as an editor, I'm only as, as strong as my weakest link, and then gives her a pointed look. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I guess, Emma. Yeah. Liberty does not like Emma. We I seem to observe. She does yeah. not care for her. She doesn't seem to like too many people, and I don't know how much of that is like her just as a person not communicating or her just not liking people i know she has friends later because because of the plot but i'm interested to see because i forget how she treats people that she allegedly likes because i don't really i can't read her right now it seems like she grew up on like a government compound where she wasn't allowed to make eye contact with adults and had to stare straight forward and keep her arms crossed behind her back like that seems like her backstory so uh next 
finishing up the grade seven storyline before parents night starts toby we hear some of the letter because his dad is like you want me to believe this came from an educator and they described your grades as premium standard <laughs> and, <laughs> and toby's dad is wearing a cool shirt also it was, yeah i liked it he is really not buying anything toby is selling though oh no and he spelled things wrong and we'll we'll get it more into the spelling thing a little later i just wanted to note that and toby's like i want you both to go but not together and they hug and to- toby's dad promises no fights yeah and he does a weird hand signal too to show how much he promises i think he makes a boy scout promise or something yeah but, but he's he's a straight shooter and good on toby for being emotionally a mature after the bs like after the lie is found out he is very like this is why i'm feeling this way and it's pretty healthy good to see yeah toby has some pretty good moments in this episode he how is he like somewhat emotionally mature but then we also see what we see like yeah we don't even get what happened that made him grow up so fast. We never learn if anything happened. It was it just the divorce? I mean, it, it's, I don't actually know how impactful that is. I can't speak to that. I think it might be because the divorce wasn't pretty according to how they're going to act. That's like, true. So, the grade 8 storyline for this episode starts off with Paige appearing out of a bathroom stall, not for the first time in the series or this episode. No, it's one of her favorite things, it turns out. Yeah, she loves to do that. She, I think she just waits around all day in the bathroom stall till she hears something juicy and she's like, okay, time for Paige to make her entrance yeah. and go. Because <laughs> she doesn't want to go to class anyway. Probably not. Yeah, but this is back with the NAK people getting the announcement so Ashley is salty yes and she's kind of hiding it she's like oh I'm just whatever and Paige is like no you get manic depressive every time (laughs) which I was seeing I think Terry said that oh was it Terry because I don't think they knew Paige was in the bathroom till she like made her entrance and she didn't seem all that manic that might be a little insensitive. If anything, she was just bummed out, maybe not depressive. You know, it was 2001, and we do get a manic, depressive, or bipolar character next season that they actually do portray pretty accurately. So Yeah, points. <laughs> so I don't like that writing, but I don't think they meant it like that because it was more accepted in yeah. 2001 <laughs> to just throw, throw things around like that. Um. So th- also, we get our first Heather Sinclair mention we uh, never in the whole entirety of trust the series, me guys the payoff is there pay attention put heather sinclair on your little cork board with your strings because tr- she's coming yeah and they we have we have a little bit of information about heather sinclair which i want to record every bit <laughs> of information we hear about the legendary heather sinclair they says she has an agent and an overbite so that's what we know so far yeah, and we finished the series, so. <laughs> uh, so she says Ashley has the look and the television experience, so she should get an agent. And Ashley is like, Terry, you're a genius. Uh, Toby's mom is a casting agent. I'll hit her up at parents' night. And Paige pops out of the bathroom stall and is like, agent, 
I smell evil or so, uh, whatever her catchphrase yeah. is this season. It's like, oh, she wants something? I want that. <laughs> yeah. And so then the next scene we see with the grade eights, Paige is talking to Spinner and he tells the best joke of all time, which I didn't write down. But oh, I remember I, that it was like not the best joke of all time, but I thought it was funny. Uh, I'm going to try and approximate it. If I, I get close, then you should get a fraction of just the comedic value Spinner gave it. <laughs> it it's like, uh, and then the monkey was like, if that's your face, where's my butt? <laughs> yeah, it was well-constructed, well-written. It made me laugh. It made me cry. Yeah, all around Spinner repeating a joke he apparently heard on TV. Prime entertainment Ten value. out of ten. Yeah. Spinner d- can do nothing wrong ever to anyone. No. It, well. 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 Quote me. Write it down. I'll quote you in... Spinner li- can do nothing wrong to anyone ever. I'm literally <laughs> writing that down because I love him and he really comes a long way. But honestly, honestly, I think you're going to regret saying that on record and telling me to write it down. My boy can do nothing wrong. July. It's June. June. <laughs> 10th? It's the 11th, isn't it? Uh, maybe. June 11th, 2022. You said this, and it's going in my file that I put all the notes for these episodes, and I will uh, go back to that. Yeah, it's a it's a good thing you literally wrote it down since we're also recording these. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to think about listening to the entire episode when I'm just trying to find something. I'm going to look at my notes. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's that a lot faster. Sense. I mean, I listen to every episode we record every day multiple times and encourage our listeners to do the same. (laughs) It's okay. So, and Paige is not listening to this wonderful joke. And she expresses she's jealous of Ashley because Ashley might get an agent and Spinner thinks she could be on TV. He's like, that would be great for her. And Paige is like, but what about me? And Spinner's like, I didn't say you couldn't be successful. You asked me about Ashley specifically. Paige doesn't exactly say that. She says, I'm... you think I'm not pretty enough? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is what she says. And Paige... I love hating Paige in season one. Oh, <laughs> this I... is good. No, I love Paige. I appreciate I appreciate every single season of Paige. <laughs> uh, and then the, the last scene we see of the grade eights before Parents' Day starts is Paige lets Ashley know she's going to try to get noticed by to- Toby's mom, too. She's like, it's game on, Ash. Yeah, and... She did, doesn't say that, Did but... they say they're on the welcoming committee yet? No. Well, maybe they did, but I didn't take note of that. Okay, yeah. I think Ashley and Terry are like, hey, we're on the mel- welcoming committee, and Paige rolls up and is like, me too, bitch. <laughs> I, pay- I played it real fast and loose with my notes if it wasn't about these specific side details that I'm going to talk about for a minute when we get to them. <laughs> Yeah. So that's how. There's some details. That's what's going on. So Parents' Day starts, and Ash and Tear are putting on makeup in the school washroom. But where's Paige? uh, Well, (laughs) well, first, before we get to that, I just want to cover Ashley being a dick to Terry. So she's like, Terry, help me with my eyeliner. Terry goes to help, and Ashley is immediately like, Ow, Terry, that's my eye. It's what I see with. Like, (laughs) stop being a jerk to Terry. I do. This is something I like tracking. 
Terry slowly gaining self-respect and yeah. not dealing with Ashley's like nonsense. Track that, viewers. <laughs> it's it's nice to watch because Terry's a good character. I wish we would have gotten more of her and I don't love the way that she graduated from Degrassi. I'll say that. Yeah. Um so Paige she appears like a jack-in-the-box from a bathroom stall again <laughs> in a shiny snakeskin crop top black flare pants she has a fake tribal tattoo around her arm <laughs> and she just dunks on ashley ashley is shook yeah because everybody knows the way to get a casting or a uh, way to get an agent is through midriff you you tear that out and they come a flocking. You want them to think you have bad taste in tattoos too. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, what you want them to think. I will say, and I think a lot of the page looks that you like haven't I've been against, but this one I liked. I she looked very like nice. Most of Paige's looks. Yeah, you can't like dissuade me from most of her her wardrobe. Uh, but apparently, I like a uh, trashy, glamorous Paige, which is what exited that bathroom stall. That explains why you like the way I dress sometimes. <laughs> I, li I like cheap stuff with chicken feathers. Yeah, I'm, I still want you to get that temporary tribal tattoo around your arm. Uh, but I would have to... I'll pay for it. I'd have to cut my arm off after that. It's just <laughs> ruined. It's like when you put mayonnaise on a sandwich. It's just irredeemable after that. Okay, you're leaving relatable territory. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can't scrape mayonnaise off. It's there. But That's what I'm mayonnaise saying. Mayonnaise is like made for a sandwich. We can move so on. So then Toby's mom <laughs> walks into parents' night and Ashley and Paige greet her like aggressively friendly. Dun, and they're like, dun, she's a casting dun, agent dun, right dun, in front dun, of her. Dun, dun. And Paige is like, your outfit is so avant-garde. And she accepts the compliment in a very Midwestern fashion, if I do say so myself. Yeah. She's like, thanks. It was on sale, <laughs> which is like how I respond to things usually because I'm excited. I got to tell people about sale. the sales. I got to let them know. Got it thrifting, you know. Yep. And then Toby gets her, her attention and she approaches Toby's dad and Toby. And they uh, the their tension is immediately there. They do not like each other. We know this. Also, in this scene, I like Terry in the background doing the job that all three of them volunteered for. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> She's just back there actually doing work. Yeah, like hanging posters, greeting people, giving them programs. Mm -hmm. Like the whole episode until the conclusion. And Paige interrupts this tense greeting and introduces herself and then Toby's mom says absolutely nothing and walks away to fight with her ex-husband, I guess. And Paige and Ashley insult each other. Yeah. Uh, then we get Snake and Toby's parent-teacher conference. And Snake confirms as his teacher, which I, I don't know why. I guess he's his homeroom teacher. Yeah. So Snake confirms that Toby cannot spell for shit. He says, Toby is really having trouble spelling for someone at his grade level, and it's kind of concerning. And to be fair, his parents don't start fighting immediately in front of Snake. That's true. At, well, I they do kind of immediately start to, because as soon as they hear the bad news, Toby's mom is like, what have you done with our boy? And they start to argue. Yeah, Toby's mom immediately blames his dad 
and he keeps his cool for a little bit. Oh, yeah. He tries to uh, disengage, and she does not let that happen. She's like, no, engage. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's big mad, so they get in a big fight, and Snake clearly feels awkward. Next, we get our, our uh, Emma scene. And oh. it, it is pretty entertaining to watch her just make terrible decisions and hurt everyone around her, yeah, to be honest. But apparently your article got rave reviews. Yeah, Spike. No, Spike was talking about the teacher conference. She said all her teachers gave her rave reviews. Oh, yeah. Emma herself got rave reviews, which is equally unbelievable. Yeah. And then they walk past Tracker, Sean's older brother, and Sean in the hallway, and they're discussing Emma's editorial. And Tracker says, an idiot wrote it, and he is right. (laughs) And Emma says, she wrote it. It's my piece, and I'm right. If you don't get it, you're an idiot. To Tracker, this guy who was just expressing he didn't like it, and she was like, "Um, anyone who doesn't like my work is, is dumb. They're stupid. Obviously, Emma. Yeah, and then Sean tries to de-escalate the situation. He's like, it's not that serious. Weird move for him. That's usually not his go-to. Yeah, and Emma's like, well, it's very serious that I get to express my opinions. I'm paraphrasing at this point. And Sean's like, well, that's all my brother's doing. He's expressing he doesn't like your article. And Emma says, I heard him, and he's wrong. And it's like, (laughs) how can he be wrong if you're never wrong when you're just expressing your opinions yep Uh, emma and tracker shuts her down immediately in the best way possible this is why i love tracker he he does not hold his tongue even when he probably should because he's speaking to a child and he's an adult he says i'm wrong tell me tell me is it fair or is it wrong that sean has fallen behind in school because we don't have a computer at home emma tries to interrupt and says if you read it, if you read it all, you would know. And he interrupts her and says that it's a piece of garbage. <laughs> and then he crumbles it up and throws it in the trash and says, guess it is garbage. <laughs> and Emma gets gets what she deserves for once in an episode. Yeah. And she, I guess the underlying thing is, it's like, oh, my God, Sean was a squeegee kid. <laughs> yeah. He's like, there's more than one side to every story. And Emma realizes Sean is a squeegee kid. Yeah, and his <laughs> parents are, as far as we know, at this point, out of the picture. They're in Wasega. They're back in Wasega. He's he, living with his brother. Yeah, because he used to live with them in Wasega with a dog that we will discuss later. Yeah, next episode. Well, this episode of the podcast, next episode of Degrassi. I feel like yes, that can yes. be confusing for people. But episode six of Degrassi, yeah. the dog conversation. Back to Toby's teacher conference, we find out that he skipped class one time in his whole time. Oh, my God. And it's a big deal. Mom loses her shit, and she wants custody. And they get into a big fight. Snake tries to de-escalate. He's like, hey, let's just focus on the parent-teacher conference. Too hot for Snake, though. (laughs) Yeah. And Toby interrupts the fight and yells at them, and he's like, calm down down stop using me as an excuse it's not fair and then snake is like are we fucking done here (laughs) moving on (laughs) yeah yeah and then we see them going back into the school lobby after this meeting this awkward meeting has. i don't i don't want to point fingers and i know divorce situations can be a little messy but this was toby's mom's fault right 
Like, Absolutely. Maybe his dad like uh, slept around a little bit. Maybe I'm getting Although, some of that vibe. In in nobody's defense, I guess um, Toby's dad got the pep talk from Toby to please not get in a fight. His mom didn't. But the problem is, as adults who should have their child's best interests at heart and consider what they're doing and how it's affecting their child, they really shouldn't need a pep talk from their preteen son to not do that in public, especially yeah. in front of their son's teacher. So Who it's is like they're real cool. And he did engage eventually. He could have said, Can I talk to you in the hall for a second and let Toby be awkward with Snake? And he could be like, Hey, Toby really wants this to go well. He's sick of the fighting. Can we just keep it together and we can yell at each other on the phone later or something? Like, yeah. I don't know. You could have done something, and they're both grown-ass adults. He tried exactly once to not get into a scream fight. Yeah, he shut her down, like, maybe twice, and then he was like, you know what? We're going to fight in front of Archie Snake Simpson. So then they're walking to the school lobby, and I guess they're proud slash sorry that uh, he stood up to them and, like, let them know how the fighting was affecting him. Yeah. And Paige pretends to be friends with Toby, and she's like, aw, Toby. <laughs> she says something like that. And then she drops off a headshot. <laughs> yeah, she does. As Ashley's trying to, like talk to her about something and then she's a busy casting agent so she she leaves and on her way out she sees terry i think taking down posters since parents say yeah, it was like ending still doing the actual work that ashley and Paige refused to yep and she's taking down the poster and toby's mom stops and says if you ever think about acting give me a call and gives her a business card she says you have an interesting look which of course christina schmidt is beautiful like I hate that she gets the fat girl storylines because it's yeah. like, fuck you guys. Like, I get representing that, but also, like... She does have a look. Yeah, she... Yeah, it's just weird to me because it's like, but have, do you see the actress? Like, why do we keep talking this way about and her? I don't think it's 100% a spite offer. No, like, it's, it's not it's a spite not offer like at a... all. I think she genuinely thinks that Terry has an interesting look that people would be interested in casting. It did have to feel good, though, to have Ashley and Paige just jumping down your throat and turn around and be like, oh, quiet girl who actually knows how to do a job? Here, call me. <laughs> yeah. And we see a shot of Ashley and Paige who seem disappointed and pissed, respectively. Uh, <laughs> Guess which one is which. <laughs> yeah. You could probably deduce from the plot who's who. And we wrap up the Sean and Emma storyline when Emma sits next to Sean in the computer lab and he moves his bag so she can sit down, first of all. More so than he, she deserves. He allows, of course. I don't know. I guess he's used to being treated badly at this point in his life with hey, all the things he's he been through. He grew up in Wasega. He, he, yeah. He I don't know what that Wasega. means. So I'm going to Google Wasega. They talk about it like it's like Detroit or something. <laughs> yeah. And he t or she types i'm so sorry about yesterday sorry sometimes my mouth kicks in before my brain does and it's like we know we and all know emma she emails him from three feet away and it's like the worst rom-com move that he could have read it on the screen she could have said hey 
look at this. <laughs> it would have been so much easier. And Sean says he's sorry, too, implying that Tracker was wrong. But he's totally not wrong. Emma's probably a garbage writer, and she was probably wrong, and she mm. didn't do any research because she had a very short deadline. And then we hear Sean's sound effect for, I think, the second time since he was introduced when uh, he was dropped off at school for the first time. The bum, 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 bum. We hear that every time Sean has a moment. I haven't noticed that. There, There is a specific Sean sound effect. Listen out for it. Oh, and that's the end of that. And the end of the Toby parents' divorce storyline. He's talking to Snake the next day at school. And... Snake expresses sympathy and is like, are they always like that? And Toby's like, yeah, but it was good. We settled some things and we're all good Good to get it all out in the air. And then Mr. Simpson says, on the Toby not knowing how to spell note, he says, you didn't even spell my name right on this letter you forged. (laughs) And Toby has to write an essay on why it's wrong. You sneak. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he signs his school documents with his nickname from high school. He just has a big rubber cobra stamp in it. (laughs) It's on a ring. <laughs> yeah, and he tell he his punishment is to write a essay an essay on why it's wrong to falsify documents too. That's hefty. Yeah, and then he says he's proud of Toby, and we freeze frame on Toby's kind of satisfied face. Yeah, I almost cried. Uh, Snake did some real good stuff at that point. So episode six of season one is called The Mating Game, and this episode shares the same title as the 1959 film The Mating Game. I don't believe there's a song reference in this title, but at least it's Mm. a movie, unlike um, Parents' Day, and I think the other one we're not remembering right now. Yeah, so if you're in America, a full half of the episodes were not song titles. I'm... What do you mean songs wouldn't be songs in America? If you Google no. it, it will let you know if it's an international song. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. Oh, I mean, you okay. only got um, you got two less episodes if you're in America, and two of them weren't song titles. So. You didn't get two less episodes. You just got them later. Yeah, but so far, you have. I guess, but I don't think people were, like, having forum well they were but i don't think people were like online talking about degrassi as extensively as they do today where they would be like hey canadian viewers are there missing episodes i don't think people would realize well i'm mad about it now so okay well the canadian air date was november 25th 2001 u.s april 22nd 2002 directed by anthony brown who has only directed two episodes of the next generation Family Politics, the one about the presidential race from last episode. Okay. And this episode, The Mating Game. Uh, not a lot on his IMBD. He's directed six things and assistant directed six things and produced two episodes of TV. Yeah, maybe he just got out of the game. It wasn't good for him. Yeah, the credits ended around 2008, so I think he's not working as a director anymore. Um, story by Jan Moore and Tassie Cameron. Tassie's and- a fun name. Teleplay by Susan Nielsen and Aaron Martin is story editor. So we were going to hear all of those names a lot. Okay, Uh, so we got our team. We got our crack team on it. Yeah, some of the names are sprinkled throughout, but we hear a lot of those names on the writing staff for 
many episodes in season one. And the end also had a parental discretion warning for this episode because it dealt with strong sexual content. Yeah. Uh, America censorship. American censorship, even. <laughs> there are condoms. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can't have kids having safe sex. We don't want them having sex at all. <laughs> and this episode also marks the first appearance of the math teacher and sports coach, Daryl Armstrong, played by Michael Kinney. And you Coach had Arms- some things to say about Coach Armstrong. Yeah, I, I mean, I've always noticed him in the series, but I don't think it occurred to me just how ever present he is. Because he's in season, he appears in seasons one through 14, every single season of The Next Generation, and seasons one through three of Next Class. Not sure how many seasons there are in Next Class. We haven't watched it yet, but uh, that's a decent amount. He's one of the longest running faculty members next to Snake, and they're the Mm. only characters, the only characters to appear in every single season of The Next Generation. Huh. Good on Coach Armstrong. I, I thought that was fascinating because he sprinkled throughout enough that you might not notice that because I sure didn't. Yeah, he's got that. He's probably got like, what, maybe max two or three minutes of screen time for an episode. Yeah. He's he's just kind of like, I mean, he has some storylines, but he doesn't even say a lot in those. Yeah. So the mating game. Um, it opens with the eighth grade plot but we're just gonna get the seventh grade plot pretty much out of the way we're just gonna go through that i agree with this order when we when we jump to the seventh grade plot toby's sitting there hacking and uh jt is excited about a dr sally coming to school and i think she's recurring right she is in a season two episode called careless whisper um, but fun fact about Dr. Sally. I don't know if you yeah. looked up Dr. I Sally. I like Dr. Sally a lot. I haven't looked her up, though. So she's played by Sue Johansson. She's played Degrassi, or Dr. Sally on Degrassi High in the episodes what? The Whole Truth and Great Expectations, yes. But listen to who she is in real life. Sue Johansson is a registered nurse and sex educator. In 1970, she opened a birth control clinic in Donsville, oh, Connecticut. Yeah. What's CI? Which state is that? Uh, oh, I think it's nope, it's in Canada. Yeah, uh, I was wondering I'm dumb. about that. I'm a dumb American. Secrets we, out. We wouldn't have a famous sex talk giver in America. Well, Those aren't our Christian values. She opened a birth control clinic in Dawes, Don Mills, Canada. and it, hi, High school. I don't really understand this sentence uh, because of Canadian things. That's what I'm blaming it on. Mm-hmm. And it was the first of its kind in Canada, the country. And she's gone on to be in a lot of media. She's written books. She's on. She's been on late night, like every late night show, a thousand times, talking about sex ed. Wow. She's she's like a real life Dr. Sally. Because her presentation was, we'll get to it, but it's, she's very good. Yeah. So I that when I looked that that up, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Why she was like literally like she was really good at it. So anyway. But right I, now, JT is just excited that she is the sex lady who's doing a class that he won't be able to attend. And she hears like that she talks about everything and she has props. And I just want to say, JT, calm down a little bit. He really does need to chill. I didn't remember what, what a horn dog he was at the beginning. Cause it's like, 
it's a sex ed class. Everyone knows what it is, and nobody really wants to be in it, even if you are horny. Like It's the information you would find in like an encyclopedia, maybe. I mean, not Dr. Sally. She's different, but... Yeah, that's not par for the course. Well, maybe maybe we're biased because we both grew up in rural Kentucky where abstinence only was the only way. They really focused on how scary and easy it is to get diseases on my sex ed class. I lit. Yes, I literally remember that lesson, like hearing something that was approximately you can use condoms, but they won't work. Like, basically, like, against STDs or pregnancy. So then that led to girls in my school possibly thinking, well, if they won't work, why why would I use them? And guess what? We had a lot of teen moms. You should choose not to use a condom because it feels good, not because you think it won't work. <laughs> That's not a good choice to make. I'm, I don't condone that being your basis of making that decision. Okay, anyway, on. Snake walks up and he's like, hey, media immersion class, we're making a website about animals. I guess so we real general topic and which I said as a random like yeah, uh, make them up of what they what an assignment they would do in media immersion I haven't seen this season since like maybe December <laughs> <laughs> which, not more than a year ever well but, <laughs> but we watched 14 seasons so how could I remember this specific thing and I said they're always making like a website about an ant an animal or something and literally the next episode that was last episode I said yeah that. audience and, take that rewind it back okay Tori got the, um uh they're doing a website about animals and of course Emma has a weird issue question where she raises her hand and excitedly asks if she can do it on mama onu yeah she's an endangered sea turtle and snake is like emma that's fine but as long as you do the programming because this is computer class not virtue signaling class yeah which emma would get straight a's in but oh yeah every time if you're a specific turtle like you're probably in danger the the ocean's pretty dangerous there's sharks and stuff but i mean i I don't know it might be one of those turtles that's like at that sea animal hospital in clearwater florida the one where winter the dolphin from dolphin tail was that the movie i i went there once on a vacation to clearwater oh um actually i just looked up mama onu and good news on that front, about uh, four years after this, um, Mama Onu was 100 years old, the last of her kind, and could soon be a mom. And I don't want to read anything else about that, because... And then she passed away. <laughs> she passed away, and her babies did not survive. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, you win some, you lose some. Yep. As far as endangered turtles go. Um... So Emma wants to do it on Mama Onu. Uh, that's fine. She's being unbearable. But Toby doesn't mind because he looks at Emma and her hair is flying. And then something to say by be too crazy starts playing. And that's a bop. It really is. It's like I really like that song. It, it's just the most. She wants me. It's really good. <laughs> 
And mm-hmm. also, why if, if this is in Toby's imagination, why on earth would he imagine himself with the worst lighting possible? Like, his face has always weirded me out in this scene. Yeah. And it really doesn't in the other scenes. It's just like, why would you light yourself so you look like, like a bulbous, like, radish? Like, his face is so golden and round and you can see every single one of his eyelashes the lighting on toby is really disturbing weirdly gold lighting worked for emma but well it was backlighting though i think yeah anyway his fantasy is is broken up by uh emma's current interest just jumping in front of his face and being like hey here's your notes back thanks buddy because sean is um i i guess everyone just hits up toby for notes why wouldn't you? But but I mean, he can't spell, so maybe you shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> just everyone in the school can't spell, and it's starting with Toby. He's ground zero for illiteracy in Toronto. Is that why they have so many principals? Because like the reading <laughs> scores will not go up, and these kids are teenagers. They should be able to read. Well, I mean, there are also the tragedies to think about. That it would be literacy rape, no matter what. <laughs> And Liberty, they're going through the hall. Liberty wants to help JT, but he says he's getting straight D's. Uh, Again, establishing JT is somehow not doing well in school because he seems smart, but I think he might just be distracted by other things like like porn. And the fact that a, what, 60-year-old woman is going to talk about sex and JT's horny about it? (laughs) Yeah, he's really mad he can't go be horny and listen to an an older woman talk about safe sex. Yeah, I, I do love JT's approach to his grade where Liberty's offering him help being uh, okay for once. And he's like, I got straight D's. Why rock the boat? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of a response? Well, I guess JT's parents aren't around. Yeah. Well, we'll learn more about that in future episodes. But yeah. J- there's a reason JT can get away with this without any intervention from adults. True. Well, yeah, pretty much. Well, the rest of the important grade sevens are hanging out, and Toby is using turtles to plan. I wouldn't uh, call Emma an important grade seven, but uh, go okay, on. yeah, Emma's there too. <laughs> <laughs> And Toby plans on using turtles to plan a movie night with Emma because he loves turtles all of a sudden. Yeah, and he he has a crush on her, as we established last episode, or maybe the first episode. It was pretty much introduced immediately. And he pretends to, he basically is pandering to her by stealing her idea and saying things that the writers would write for Emma to say. And Emma thinks that we- this is her making an impact, which sickens me. <laughs> her website about tur- oh, about one specific turtle. Um, oh, and JT, Golden God, justifiably makes fun of him, gives him a playful punch, and Liberty says, you do know violence is against the Degrassi Code of Conduct. Oh, by the way toby or jt asked toby to the movies and toby was like why don't we stay in tomorrow night instead and watch this documentary on endangered species with all of us and then he like looks at emma he doesn't say that exactly but that's pretty much how it happened and she's pretty jazzed about that and then jt spits the truth and it's like (laughs) you're only doing it for a girl who's not worth it toby yep bottom line i don't know how he can see through all those hormones to think that clearly about this situation 
Uh, just to sh show how bad of an idea this is, the next grade seven scene is Emma typing endangered turtle into the search bar of the net and on mightfindit.com. Might not because why there would you are... choose a search engine called Might Find It? <laughs> Emma yeah. is not very smart. That's just honest Bing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But there are zero results found. And then Toby rolls up and he takes her to Toby Tracks, his own personal search engine that's better than the school's default engine, I guess. Does he run a server? Like, I don't know how owning a search engine works, but I feel like you need to, you have to pay to run that. Yeah, I I, I don't know much about computers, but I think he has servers in his attic. I think you don't just need the domain if what you're running is a search engine. He's like, mining you know? cryptocurrency in 2001, uh, and then he has one for uh, girl-inspired internet searches. Oh, and we get another Toby fantasy also. Yes, so... It zooms in on the mouse pad that is now in the shape of a heart, and they're holding hands. And then after he does this nice thing for Emma, two seconds later, Emma's just like, if, if we're going to do this project, you need to stay awake. Yeah, and then she immediately forgets she just yelled at her friend and is like, whoa, look at this website. Tons of stuff on turtles, more than I could ever imagine. And she only scrolls a little bit like, why not get a book, Emma? <laughs> I remember using books for book reports. I would I would go to yeah. the library to get a book on like an animal. I remember doing that I once. know the Dewey Decimal System. Me too. We had to learn it. <laughs> like, I, I get that the net was, it was a big. cool thing. But, like, to get the information to put on your website, it doesn't need to be from the net. It's probably easier to use a book anyway. But where she's where is she going to... Oh. We sound old. Wait. <laughs> I just realized, why is she searching endangered turtles when she's just doing her book report on Mama Onu? Was Maybe she... for a general info tab. Okay. Section? Emma apologist. I'm just thinking... <laughs> Logically, and now I'm being Liberty. Anyway, Liberty uh, ruins yeah. Emily. Emma Speaking of Liberty. <laughs> yeah, they're on their way out of school, and Emma is lit for this endangered species DVD. She loves it when animals die off. She just loves it. But Liberty swoops in and is like, hey, you're supposed to proofread, uh, what, what is their newspaper called? Is the Grapevine. Okay, the Grapevine. And she knows because she has a Palm Pilot with a schedule in it. Of course, Liberty has a Palm Pilot. Liberty is a Palm Pilot, and not in any sexual sense, which I realize it kind of sounds like calling someone a Palm Pilot could mean, but she, yeah. Can you just explain to me why they make her so unlikable? I don't know, because... Like, why? She doesn't have to be like that. Was there a point, besides getting Emma away from them, to make Liberty look like the worst because she doesn't need much help from the showrunners. And this was one of the points where I'm like, okay, go easy on Liberty. You could for have once. written it differently to where she wasn't demanding something. It could be like, Hey Emma, I scheduled, I saw that we scheduled for you to help me edit and I really need your help. Can you please help me? But she said, yeah. Emma, my office now you're my paper girl yeah i'm <laughs> a big time she... editor yeah apparently because... and emma's just the boy on the street corner barking yeah trying she's to got sell one of those papers. newsy caps yeah <laughs> and then 
as the other grade sevens are leaving to go hang out and not edit the grapevine, JT like takes off his hat oh, and goes, yeah. whoop. He's got hat tricks. Yeah, that, that was all I had. But I like the whoop. I want to capitalize on any time JT is the coolest guy ever. Me too. And that was one of them. We uh, we jump into Emma finishing proofreading. And actually, this is like the first. I think Emma was like right in another episode and that was good. But she was still kind of like mean about it. But in this, they finish proofreading and Liberty invites Emma out to get a smoothie and i think that's good she's learning to communicate with human beings that is good um i had a thought on that note yeah. you just said about emma i think so degrassi is for the most part pretty morally gray true emma is charcoal like it's like she's still gray but she's usually very dark the gray. darker the darker version of gray there is a a tiny little dot of, oh, Mama Onu is like a turtle we should care about. And then just her massive ego is enveloping it. Oh, yeah. I just, I don't know how Spike raised this girl. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Beats oh, me. I think she's a changeling. A ju- oh, I believe that as well. Yeah. There's the fairies stole away the real Emma, who's a beautiful angel. <laughs> I mean, that would explain why they wanted the Emmy. They got it. And we got other dimension Emma. <laughs> yeah. Who looks, she's, she has freckles. Normal Emma doesn't have that. Like, I don't know who this girl is. Canon, the writers sold the original firstborn Emma to fairies so they could get an Emmy. And this <laughs> is the result. <laughs> and then we get her being a jerk again to wrap up the grade seven storyline for the most part. She walks up to Sean in the computer lab after they're done oh, editing. Wait, but first of all, she is ditching not only Liberty, but also Toby to be with Sean. And she doesn't even call. She doesn't even call to tell she them she's not give coming. A shit. No, she doesn't. And yeah, she doesn't give a shit about her friends she already made plans with. Then she walks up to Sean, who she's just harassing at this point, and says, um, Springer Spanl- Spaniels are hardly on the endangered list, because that's the animal he's doing his website on. <laughs> it's like, yeah, why would you care about animals unless you could make yourself look like a better person by doing so? Yeah, it's like, like you can't have interest in, th- <laughs> in things that exist if they're not for a cause that you're going to drop in two episodes. And then he's like, well, there is one Cocker Spaniel that's definitely endangered, if not extinct, my dead dog. Thanks, Emma. (laughs) And she does not feel bad at all. She just continues to ask him about it, and they, like, have a bonding moment. But I think there should have been a moment where she felt bad for being a dick about the website. Yeah. And there wasn't. No, there there wasn't. And he doesn't mind. (laughs) He deals with a lot of stuff from Emma. But I guess from the world, too. I do think it's interesting that they kind of set up this, like, actual sincere love of an animal from Sean compared to Toby's manufactured turtle love, which was not landing all the way with Emma. Yeah, the the chemistry between Miriam McDonald and Daniel Clark does actually, Sean and Emma, does actually feel like more real and not manufactured (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah. And well, I'd say that about Toby, but to be honest, I think Emma's turtle love is pretty manufactured too. So the only one who gives a shit about animals in this scene is Sean. <laughs> Mary McDonald is playing the turtle love exactly correct because we know Emma is just, she's just like a baby villain. Yep. And she's learning to be a real villain. But let's go back to the beginning of the episode. Now, you may be thinking, wasn't this called the mating game? There wasn't very much mating going on at all. And the reason it's called that is because... That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. The whole time. I'm really good at this. Um, (laughs) I I was just waiting for the Bloodhound Gang to come in at any time, and it just never happened. Oh. Was, was, Was Sean's dog in the Bloodhound Gang? Okay, we're getting t- too deep into the the jokes. The and actual the puns. scene opener <laughs> is uh, Tori's talking about Ashley's weird. Terry. Gift. Oh yeah, yeah, you're Tori. This is Terry. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. I would never be friends with Ashley Kerwin. Thank you very much. Uh, you definitely wouldn't take as much shit from her because Terry is just uh. L- Telling Ashley she did a great job buying a weird gift for Jimmy. It's the ugliest chain I've ever seen. And it has an A for Ashley and a J for Jimmy. So he has a chain that says AJ or did, Jaw. Did she also buy herself a chain or is that the thing? Like, I it's I think it's just the thing. Because okay, yeah. we see her give him a singular necklace and she doesn't have one. And... And Terry, of course, is deferential to her friend and says, oh, it's beautiful, it's lovely, it's perfect, you can never do anything wrong. What does Ashley have on Terry? I don't know. Did, what did, what, did is Terry it a Pretty Little Liar situation? baby? That's and, what I'm saying. <laughs> like, do they, did they kill someone, like, in the original 1970s prom night with Jamie Lee Curtis? Like, did oh, they kill somebody as children and they have, like, this pact where they're never gonna tell? Yeah, I think I think she's Jamie Lee Curtising her. Oh, no. No, Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. She didn't know the whole movie that her friends had killed her sister. Uh, anyway, in English <laughs> class, uh, Miss Kwan is announcing that they're doing Romeo and Juliet, and they're going to do a, they're acting it out. Everyone gets a part. It's lots of fun for everyone. Uh, actually, nobody's really all that excited about it, except for Paige, who is Juliet, and guess what? Jimmy's Romeo, and Paige is completely considerate and mature about it. Nope, she is totally manipulative and she looks right at Ashley and she's like, how about that, huh? I'm Juliet and Jimmy's Rome. Crazy, huh? What are you, a nurse? Are you a nurse with two lines in this? Are you like my nanny or something? And also, I think with Paige, when she does things like this, the manipulation and the plotting, there is always a grain of truth and something she is actually interested in. Like, as as we come to find out later, she is a fan of at least reading plays. So she yeah. likes theater somehow. So I think she is genuinely excited about the project and excited she gets to play Juliet. And she's also capitalizing on the opportunity to torture Ashley she, about it. Uh, yeah, and 
I think she does want to kiss Jimmy. I think she really? wants to get up on those lips. I got no sense that Paige was ever attracted to Jimmy at all. <laughs> so, I, I was like, she's just doing this to fuck with Ashley. She had so much spiteful glee that I misinterpreted it as her liking Jimmy. Well, you could have interpreted it that. correctly, but I just don't think she... Because with that Spinner, we like saw Paige. some emotion. With Jimmy, it was just like, this is a thing that I'm doing to make you mad. I didn't see any like oh, well, I'm interested in him, and that's established. It was like, oh, Ashley hates this. I'm going to use this. Yeah, that seems about right. Next, we go to the famous Dr. Sally, who is awesome, and I wish that she had taught me about sex when I was younger. And um, She drops a hard A and E at the beginning of this presentation. We get We get an AIDS and an erection. Yeah. She is just like, and no she's nonsense. It. She she's... says sex out loud. She puts a condom on a banana. Tells tells him to get it all the way to the base. It's all useful information. She never assumes people are just going to be abstinent. Yeah, it's. I don't know if it's an American thing or just a Bible Belt thing where we grew up. But I'm like, I, I just am impressed by how progressive this seems for In 2001. And. I'll, I, I pointed this out later, but I do like, even if I don't like subliminal messaging, because I don't like people messing with people's heads, even if it is for a good cause. Yeah. But I do like that they do try to get the message of safe sex across to teens by showing very little of Dr. Sally, the adult telling them. And then we hear the characters that they identify with parroting what Dr. Sally said and then doing it. And it's pretty clear, like, this sounds like it's from a pamphlet, but Ashley said it, so... Yeah, and they do take this advice and use it, but first, uh, Spinner throws his buddy under the bus and is like, say, what if I had a friend who's been in a relationship for, like, eight months? How do you know if they're ready to actually do the damn thing? Which, not exactly what he says... And Dr. Sally has an awesome response, which is physically, you're already now. Emotionally, it depends on uh, its person to person basis. Dr. Sally is a rock star. I'm obsessed with her. I'm so glad she's hopefully still in Canada doing what she's doing. Right. And we do have a weird hard cut from Dr. Sally. And if Degrassi <laughs> stole any of Dr. Sally away from me, I don't know if I'll have it in my heart to forgive them. But we cut to them in the hallway. And everybody seems to think that Ashley and Paige should do it. Like, <laughs> So, Ashley and Paige? I mean... I'm not arguing, oh, uh, but I don't think that's what that, happened That might here. have been um, a Freudian slip, but <laughs> <laughs> everybody thinks Ashley and Jimmy should do it, including Paige, who uh, says, uh, eight months is a long time. She like reverse slut shames Ashley. Yeah. And then, so I have some thoughts on Jimmy's anniversary gift. Paige insults the gift that Jimmy got Ashley for their anniversary. It's a very shoddily made, ugly clay heart that he said it was his heart. It's a shitty gift, but... Yeah. But... Handmade, the, though. So the thing is, it's actually a really thoughtful gift, and it's really cute how much... I, I'm not a Jimmy fan, but I do think it's really nice how much he seems to care about Ashley, because if the traditional 
anniversary gift for the eighth year is pottery or bronze. So he made her oh, a clay pottery heart for I their eight not. month anniversary. And I think that like, fuck you, Paige. He really put thought into this. And like, I don't know. I'm not a Jimmy apologist. I do not care I'll, for Jimmy. I'll apologize for... I'm just saying this because I don't remember everything he does, but I'll apologize for at least what Jimmy's done so far. There was some light razzing. I don't want to go through the whole Sean and Jimmy thing again. I don't hate Jimmy I like I do was... some characters, but he's just, I don't know. He doesn't redeem himself enough for me. Well, in this episode, he's a scholar and a gentleman. Uh, I mean, honestly. a gentleman. Well, I he agree. played Romeo. He's he a scholar too. He got a clay heart for the pottery anniversary as a high schooler. And yeah, I, I wrote here, Paige just doesn't want good things for her friends. And I think that's pretty true. I think Ashley and Paige are the perfect definition of frenemies. Yeah, that's that's good. We we skip to Spinner reading for once, and they say that's weird. And Spinner's like, hey, Romeo and Juliet's pretty cool. They just have sex when they're 13. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is awesome. Shakespeare is wild, man. And is this the first time we meet um, their fourth friend? Or the third um, friend in the-, yeah, the You mean the man credited as Guy. Yes, <laughs> because we were watching the episode. And you said, do you know who that guy is? And I said, I've watched so much Degrassi, done so much research. I followed most of the cast members on the Instagram page, uh, Downtown Sasquatches on Instagram. Yeah. And I have never seen or heard of this man. I, I, don't, I do not recognize this man. And you looked it up. And, uh, okay, his name is here. Hold on, hold on. He's just, like, in the plot, hanging out with Jimmy and Spinner. Like, it's they've been lifelong friends. Adrian Roberto, and literally where it says Spinner and Jimmy, it just says Guy. And he's joking around, and he has lines. He's out of the shot a lot of the time. But it's just Guy. And he, it's, like... he's acted they throw him in as if he's like gonna be part of the friend group but i don't even know if he's in any in any more episodes but he's having really personal close conversations with these two main characters for one episode okay well anyway miss kwan is encouraging teens to kiss in class yeah kind (laughs) of weird how she does that yeah Start from the top and keep doing what you're doing because your chemistry is great. She says after (laughs) Paige and Jimmy are doing line reads and Ashley interrupts early because she gets, she's a big old jelly sandwich. She's creeping in the background. And while I don't like them being required to kiss for just a weird class project and not like a theater thing that they could choose not to do. If it's a class project, they can pretend. Honestly, most teachers would encourage them not to. But then Paige has a weird moment where she owns Ashley about Shakespeare because Ashley, like, gets on her. And she's clearly taking a lot of joy in torturing Ashley at this point, Paige is. But he's like, why are you stabbing me in the back? And then Paige is like, this isn't Julius Caesar. Yeah, and Ashley's like, what? As if she's not in, like, eighth grade. I don't know. I don't know if... I I read Caesar in, like... Julius Caesar in ninth grade, I think. Like, we read it in English class. But they're in the same grade. So why is Paige more well-read than Ashley if Ashley pretends to be so freaking smart? 
I don't know. And it doesn't seem like she continues to read a whole bunch, so maybe she just does like theater. I, see, that's what I think. I think this is has a tinge of personal interest besides just fucking with Ashley. Yeah, well, then Ashley goes directly to that from that conversation and walks up to Jimmy and was like, hey, uh, we're going to do it extra now. We're going to do the thing. We're going to sex now it's because I'm mad at Paige. And she makes out with him in the hallway and people are like, calm down, Jesus. Uh, but Jimmy tells Spinner and Guy, who is still there because he's their best unnamed friend. Yep. <laughs> they're just walking through the alley. And he, he said, Jimmy says to Spinner, uh, Ashley's going to what? Like, give You're going to me- get some. He says it weird, though. He says, you're going to get some. You got horseshoes up your ass. Up your butt. He didn't say ass because it was on the end. At first, he's like, Ashley's going to give me the greatest gift she could give. And Spinner's like, He said he's going to give me what what Juliet gave Romeo. And it's like suicide? (laughs) Like dual suicide? Uh, Is that what you guys are going to do? Severely shortened lifespan? (laughs) Poor decision making? And then he's like, no, she's going to do it with me. And Spinner's like, you got horseshoes up your butt. And I looked it up to see if that is a phrase people say. I'm not sure because the Wiktionary article I found was written in May 2022. But it, it's, it says, used in context, which suggests resentment of the favorable luck so described in this respect, similar to born with a silver spoon in one's mouth, well, which is not untrue when it comes to Jimmy. But Spinner is very happy for Jimmy. He's excited almost. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he just wants his friend to get laid. Yeah, and I think it's just, uh, talking about Shakespeare here, I think Spinner is a wordsmith in his own right. I think he just gave us that as a poet. Yeah. And uh, Guy's there, and he says, yeah, cool, huh? So he's killing it. We get some Ashley being um, the worst in the next scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, they are going to go buy condoms. They decide that. Oh, I didn't know that was established in this scene. Yeah, and then Ashley and Terry are buying condoms on the net. And Terry has sincerely good advice that I think she got from Dr. Sally. And she's like, are you sure you're ready? Are you sure that Paige doesn't have anything to do with this? And Ashley just screams, it's not about Paige. So clearly it's not about Paige. And then she says, this has nothing to do with, uh, besides, why would I take relationship advice from someone who's never been on a date? Cold, Ash. Cold. Then the writers do Terry so dirty because the last episode, she was just crying about how fat she thought she was. Then she says, I'm going to be late for dinner and leaves. I didn't even (laughs) interpret it that way. Why would they do that to Terry? I'm just getting very defensive of Terry and Christina Schmidt because I just like. Not without good reason because they do her dirty a lot. They really do. They stick her with his friend. But I am glad that she she is like, I'm not going to put up with this. I've got to go. So good on Terry not being a dork. Also, Matt. we get a cymbal beat and some web sounds when Ashley finishes ordering the condoms after Terry leaves. The next day, Paige is up to her old tricks, saying Ashley doesn't need to be at rehearsal for, what, two lines? So she's just trying to get alone with Jimmy and mess with Ashley. Uh, she leaves and Ashley's like, oh, we're going to do it so hard. You don't even know. <laughs> The, uh, with her eyes and with different words. 
my but, my notes on that occurrence was uh Paige tells Ashley to ditch rehearsals. This makes Ashley horny. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, aggressively horny. Yeah. <laughs> so Ashley's at home, and her mom is supposed to be gone for the big event, but she's there getting ready for some dinner. And there's, before the orchestra, yeah, they're going to see someone play that someone they know played in the orchestra. Yeah, whatever. They're orchestra girls. I like details, okay? They're not squeegee kids. They can go to the orchestra. 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 (laughs) But there's a knock on the door, and it's a delivery, and Ashley jumps on out there real quick to grab her condoms. From a bike messenger. Very eco-friendly Canada. Love it. That fact will join the Canadian versus Degrassi's column that I was talking about where it's like is it Degrassi having bike messengers or I think bike messengers are a thing in Toronto that would make sense um and her mom's like what's in the box Ashley girl stuff (laughs) which I guess it's kind of boy stuff it's like plutonium and but Ashley's Toxic mom, waste. actually, weirdly, for a Degrassi parent, has respectful boundaries. So she kind of backs off. And, and we get Spinner and Jimmy buying condoms. <laughs> this is, I do appreciate this sequence because they're playing the kind of medieval Romeo and Juliet flute orchestra or whatever. As I they hate both that. buy con- Well, uh, I like it here. Because it's just kind of going back and forth where they're both nervous and their friends are kind of jazzing them. And... But why do we have to compare teens who have been in a relationship for... Ne- Vamp does not like <laughs> teens having sex. Uh, teens that have been in a... Re- I mean, they are in eighth grade. I'm not def- saying they should or months. shouldn't do anything. They're basically married. Well, they've been dating for almost a year and they're thinking about it, yet the storyline is liking it, likening it to two 13-year-olds killing themselves <laughs> because they thought they couldn't be together. And that's not the same as two teens in a seemingly healthy relationship no, having sex. I don't it's just not. think so. And I will say those medieval flutes do not stop after this sequence. They keep getting used. And I made it lots gets of to notes. Be very annoying it really does like <laughs> stop comparing yourselves to Ro- they they were not a good couple to emulate the close of the episode has that flute run and i'm like just that just stop players should kill themselves and be with romeo and juliet and the clerk is being just a dick to spinner <laughs> and jimmy he's so funny and spinner i like that spinner also thinks he's really funny and jimmy's yeah. the only one that's like <laughs> You just ring them in, which I guess is a Canadian thing. Ring them in, please. The clerk's like, uh, you sure you got the right size? You sure it'll fit? Because we got small, medium, large, extra large. Normal, sensitive. We got all kinds of colors. I think a little color really adds some spice to it. And And Spinner's like, teach me your ways. (laughs) The whole time Jimmy's like, will you just ring them up, please? (laughs) I am, please. And it's the night. Jimmy actually shows up and it's pretty awkward. And then they oh, start to what? He he shows up holding a paper bag and wearing a backpack. So weird, weird move. Yeah, let me keep these condoms outside and they're like so says Jimmy and Ashley's like right. It's like she was saying the the sex that we scheduled tonight. Was yeah. it was this before or after she walked out into the hall and said to herself, 
grow up as oh, if he was, couldn't hear her it was before she okay. went to the bathroom no she's okay i've decided she said she was gonna go freshen up and i've decided yeah. that freshen up based on everything i've seen in tv and film means literally anything except go to the bathroom or primp it means yeah n- nothing it, of the sort you're either doing coke or you're ha- telling or- yourself to have sex at what 14 or whatever or you're going to like do some espionage anything like people never mean go to the bathroom when they say freshen up yeah so they were macking ashley's got to go to the bathroom she tells herself to grow up she shouts it and i guess jimmy is just like cool she does this sometimes this is normal and then she comes out and she's immediately like i'm not ready and neither of them are so it's pretty cool jimmy's a perfect gentleman and he's like honestly i wasn't ready either (laughs) she gives him the ugly necklace and he loves it yeah of course he does so then we get to manny and jt and uh toby sitting on someone's front porch if you it it was uh, wherever they were watching the movie i don't know if it's specified but obviously emma doesn't show up and jt and manny are like that movie sucked am i right and toby's like i rented it for her and then like cries a tear while his eyeliner drips down his face and he goes and updates his myspace he was very emo about it and then walks home and he sees ashley and jimmy just having a good time blowing up the condoms and drawing faces and stuff on them and he's like I know what condoms are. You better clean up these condoms. Oh, and Jimmy, girls aren't worth it. <laughs> I wish Ashley would have said, hey, Toby, how do you spell condom? <laughs> and then they You're can, illiterate. <laughs> they continue playing with the condoms to the flute music. And Jay... Oh, then she gives him the ugly necklace. Oh, yeah. But before that, Jimmy says he's drawing a symbol of their love on the condom and then he doesn't draw anything probably because they had lubricant on them probably and it's probably hard to get marker (laughs) onto (laughs) condoms the covered in lube yep uh so oh and he calls her julia and she calls him romeo and i vomit for the 15th time this episode like no you no one should liken themselves to that couple i it was a tragedy i'm starting to see why you gave me this episode to actually write the notes for and kind of lead because it was sickly sweet. I was, it's gross. Yeah, it, it's a real vomit fest, to be honest. Yeah, and Emma lied, had lied about just running into Sean. She just spends her entire night having the time of her life with Sean. The next day at school, she's like, we just ran into each other. And really, they bonded over dogs. And Toby's pissed, and she's like, Manny why did toby just storm off why is he pissed and manny hasn't had a whole lot this whole time and i'm not sure how i feel about her being like toby has a huge crush on you but i think it was the right move i mean she i don't know if she knows what emma has turned into at this point in her life so she might not have known how much information emma will use for evil in the future including against manny yep Not much of a spoiler. We keep talking about what a terrible person she is. So I don't really feel bad about that one. Then Spinny and Jim, Spinny, Spinny and Jimmer, Spinner and Jimmy talk and Jimmy lies about why they didn't have sex. He says that Toby interrupted and then Spinner is like, do you want me to take care of them? (laughs) Which I guess, even though I like them and they're good people, they're still 
terrible to the grade sevens. <laughs> then Ashley, like, really, really cavalierly apologizes to Terry. Like, she's not sorry at all for saying what she said. Yeah, um, but I do like that she did it. At least she acknowledged for once that she's a terrible person to her friend. <laughs> First and last time, maybe. We'll keep an eye out. And then we freeze frame on Ashley's face with the flute music again because I guess they're both alive now because they didn't kill themselves by having sex. Was that what you took away from it? Do you remember how Spinner was like, man, Romeo and Juliet is metal. They have sex At as 13. teens. Yeah. The age we are in grade eight. Yeah. Like, did you did you not see that? I, did, I didn't think the message was that they would have had would have had death if they had sex but with uh with the way Degrassi goes maybe <laughs> I mean if you drink or do drugs then 40 you, 60 chance you're gonna die then you don't get to date the boy that likes you we so, know that so far in this episode who do you think did whatever it takes because we had a lot to say about this episode this is a long episode yeah and i didn't have a lot of people who did whatever it takes but i will say for my 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 favorite person the person who really brought it was toby in the first episode so let's just look at that look at that episode five how he stands up to his parents how I'm proud of him. Snake's proud of him. And he he did the right thing, even though after he lied. I mean, he lied. He tried to get out of it. But after that, he's like, all right, got to forge some documents. Normal kid shit. Yeah, I got to be the adult here, mom <laughs> and dad, since you're both homicidal maniacs. Apparently. Uh, my character that Let, did whatever it takes. Let's hear it. I'm interested. Spinner. He really did what he could to get his buddy laid. He really did whatever it takes. And I don't really remember even what he did in the first episode. Like I said, when we talk about it, it leaves my brain. I don't remember. That's interesting because he did set into motion this whole, hey, you guys should do it when he asked that question to Dr. Sally. He's like, I have Yeah, specifically, I'm talking about the second episode. The first episode we covered parents day i don't think he was really doing much at all oh no yeah that's what i was saying so this is based off the second episode but honestly we're only going to do one character per podcast episode so manage your expectations i don't have any honorable mentions it's not a whole lot of effort but i do like that there was the really comfortable character developmenty episodes in this is it's it's nice because nothing really fucked up is happening yet well next week oh boy we're discussing it i don't think these are gruesome but i do know they get into more serious topics than we covered this week Next week, we're discussing of season one, episode seven, Basketball Diaries, which I'm very excited (laughs) for, and episode eight, Secrets and Lies. And we get one iconic Degrassi scene next week. I wrote these notes days ago, so I don't know what I was talking about, but apparently we're going to get one. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. This might be the end of the episodes that I'm not watching for the first time. That's pretty exciting. I'm excited to hear your second watch perspective because we, we're really chugging through the first season. I, I would like to get through season 14 before we're 60, you know? Yeah, and 
Uh, tell us what you think on the Insta. We're at Downtown Sasquatches on everything, right? Yes. And speaking of Instagram, another Degrassi podcast followed us on Instagram. And then when I went to follow them back, I accidentally unfollowed them. So I followed <laughs> them again. And in return, they unfollowed us and followed us again. So I really appreciate the the banter there with the, the social media wars have begun so stay ready we're gonna unfollow and refollow you you're gonna wake up to so many notifications we're not gonna do that because <laughs> i run the instagram account but it's called below the dot we haven't listened to it but based on their instagram posts they're pretty funny also degrassi super fans uh, we're not listening to Degrassi podcast because we want to solidify our format first. So, yeah, but I check it out. Working. They seem pretty funny. Cool. If, if you want a different perspective than our um, backwoods Cincinnati blend. Our homespun Degrassi <laughs> list. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.